From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for July 10th, 2008. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined each week by my good friends, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. And we have no one in the peanut gallery this week. <laughs> Max, Figaro is, Max is over Max here. And Figaro. So Max Figaro and Figaro. Max and Figaro are in the... Uh, They're both in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Will... Uh, I, I forgot to tell Will the show was we were recording today. <laughs> Poor thing was getting ready to run up here, thinking he's going to get fired if he doesn't get him. Like, stay where you are. And uh, Walter's actually helping his um, brother and sister-in-law move into their new house here in Orlando. Um, you guys will all be getting a chance to meet, well, at least via the podcast at some <laughs> point. Uh, Walter's sister-in-law Teresa, as uh, she is the newest member of our team. Uh, Teresa is actually going to be taking over some of uh, Bob's. Uh, job responsibilities. Uh, hopefully, she uh, won't say things like Pierre Joot. <laughs> and I can also take a nap with my eyes open. <laughs> we need to get her a boot in a cart. A boot in a cart, exactly. Uh, now, in this week's show, we're going to talk with author and Disney blogger Kevin Yee from MiceAge.com, who, at least in my opinion, I think is the best Disney blogger out there right now. Not taking anything away from any other Disney bloggers, but I absolutely love uh, what Kevin writes. Uh, also, in our Christmas in July series, we're going to discuss some of the events you'll find over Christmas at Walt Disney World, along with some of our tips on how to get the most out of them. All of that, plus the news, weather, and roundtable rapid fire on this week's edition of the Diz Unplugged. Now, I actually don't have any housekeeping this week. Do you guys? Prizes. Oh, prizes. That's Christmas right. in July, prizes. It's and, prizes, prizes, um, prizes. That Rick involved from jazz hands. <laughs> Everybody had jazz hands. <laughs> Prizes, well, yay. he told me to pick six people, and I was like hounding them and telling them, pick a number, pick a number. You have no idea. They were all ecstatic because they got this email before they got their your voicemail or email has been played or read on the show, and then they got that a couple of days later. So these people were like doubly excited about cool. this. <laughs> cool. Who do we have first? First is Rick, who suggested the where to have a romantic cocktail segment, and he chooses 17. Number 17. So this is for Rick. You have won a seven-day Disney Park Hopper Pass with an approximate value of $233. Thank you for listening, and congratulations. i got to re-record those. I sound like I'm in a coma. <laughs> well, I want to say something. We know, but you're hitting the button, and that whole thing is recorded. I noticed from listening to the show where we were gone that it's kind of weird because you're doing that, and then you talk over it. So it's kind of like, so there's there's like all, two U's. Yeah, it's really weird. So sometimes he'll look at the prize and he'll go, "Oh, that's a good one," and you shouldn't do that either because then people are going, "Oh, what is it?" <laughs> Get all the Twitter. They're thinking they're getting the podcast for cruise. So the thing you hear is actually Pete's pre-recorded the prize. I'm going to re- this week. I'm going to re-record all these and I'm going to put a music bed <laughs> under them so that it's a little different, but. Okay, whatever. I'm still giving away the prizes. Who cares? I was in Florida Mall yesterday, and there was a guy playing the harp, and he was selling harp music. I thought if you... (laughs) Right in front of William Sonoma. (laughs) We We have cookware and harp music. (laughs) We had one listener volunteer her daughter. Uh, The daughter plays cheap. 
She'll apparently follow me around the park playing, dragging this giant harp. It's like seven-year-old. John needs theme music following him everywhere. I'd actually prefer backup singers. Oh, yeah? You're looking for some some Supremes? Like the Icats. Cool. Well, there's a a seven-day park hopper. Next, we have David and Jenny King. They're a pair. <laughs> I have a feeling um, they always that... sign everything, David and Jenny. And they choose number 12. I have a feeling that after this is done, I'm going to be glad we got our kitchen remodeled before these prizes were given away. Yeah, really? <laughs> before July, yeah. All right, number 12. You have won... Keys to the Kingdom Tour for two. You and a guest will take a behind-the-scenes look... At the Magic Kingdom Includes lunch at the Columbia Harbor House All participants must be 16 years of age or older And the approximate value of this prize Is $120 Congratulations and thanks for listening Hmm. Cool, that's nice They might get my sister as a guide Yeah (laughs) Never know Never know Right. Next is Caroline. Now, she's from the U.K. I was very happy about this because I don't think we've had a lot of U.K. listeners who have gotten a chance to pick a number from the That's prize. That's true. You, know, you, you, you make a good point. We, don't get a lot of, uh, we, don't, we haven't given away a lot of prizes to the U.K. So she's our first, and she chooses number six. Number six. Let's see what she won. You have won a Segway Tour for two. You and a guest will take a tour around Epcot's World Showcase on your very own segways. All participants must be 16 years of age or older, and anyone under 18 does need the permission of a parent or guardian. The approximate value of this prize is $200. Courtesy of Dreams Unlimited Travel, thanks for listening, and congratulations. That's 10 euro. That's a fun prize. <laughs> $200 or, yeah, 1 euro. <laughs> That is an excellent prize. That is a yeah. great prize. A lot of fun. Next, we have Jessica, and she chooses number 20. Number 20. You have won three days, two nights at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin, courtesy of Dreams Unlimited Travel. Approximate value of this prize is $500. Thanks for listening, and congratulations. Wow. Very cool. Next up, we have Dara. Um, she chooses number 33. Is Dara the one who signs everything that Pronounced it rhymes like with Sarah? Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's like Corey. You know, it's with an E. She's like, it's not Dara, it's Dara. <laughs> well, I, the only reason I remember that is because everything she signs, it says Dara, rhymes with Sarah. <laughs> no, it actually says pronounced like Sarah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was close. And she picked which number? 33. You have won a Universal Studios preferred annual pass. This pass is good for 365 days from the date of first use and will get you access to both Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure for one year. You can also get some great discounts with the Universal Annual. And we'll, we have that information on our site, and we will be sure to include a link to it in this week's show notes page. The value of this prize is approximately $200. Congratulations, and enjoy Universal. Cool. Have we taken out all the $5 gift certificates? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
John's over here sweating. Next time you're here, we'll make you a balloon animal. (laughs) (laughs) You get to see us waving to you. (laughs) What I I will do is I I am going to start breaking tradition, uh, giving away this this many prizes. I am going to start breaking tradition, and I am going to start repeating that these are courtesy of Dreams Unlimited Travel, folks. This is... uh, uh, this is all provided courtesy of Dreams Unlimited. And I, I normally don't do that. I normally don't plug Dreams. But I'm going to be giving away this much stuff, then, yeah, I'm going to plug Dreams a bit. So <laughs> if, you, okay. if, you, if you like seeing these prizes, dreamsunlimitedtravel.com, people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last but not least is it's either Bridget or Brigitte. It's spelled different than I'm used to, so I don't know. Um, she chooses number 24. Number 24 for Brigitte. You have won three days, two nights at the Sheridan Vistana in Lake Buena Vista. The approximate value of this prize is $250. Thanks for listening, and congratulations. And I don't think people realize just how beautiful those rooms at the Vistana are. Incredible. Because this, this is not a hotel. This is actually, Sheridan Vistana is a timeshare. But uh, what they do with unused inventory is they rent it out just like Disney does. There's no timeshare pitch. You don't have to... Sit through a presentation, no hard sell. These units are gorgeous. You get a washer and dryer and a kitchen. I was most impressed with the quality of furniture. Yeah. Because they could throw anything they want in these. Yeah. But they have really good chunky furniture. They have stuff that we would put in our house. Exactly. Yeah, this is this is not yeah, this is not vacation furniture. This is real good stuff. Beautifully decorated, beautiful property, really well managed, well maintained. It's one of the reasons we have them on the site. Yeah. The rooms are big too. Yeah, huge. Huge. So, Vistana's a very good prize. Congratulations on that. Is that everybody? Yep. Well, congratulations to everyone. Those are all really good prizes. They're excellent prizes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we're going to have to do more next week. Uh, three more, is that right? You said yeah. three a week? Okay. Yeah. Just making sure I know. Yep. We'll do three more next week. Unless I decide to give away some more today. Which I'm not <laughs> going to because John, John's here. He'll hit me. So, cool. I like you get that crazy look in your eye. Well, I love it. You know, you know that I love the prize part. That's like my favorite thing ever. And there are cruises. Makes me feel like the gay Bob Barker. Oh, I meant to tell you guys. Let's have stuff speed. Um. You get to be a Bob Barker girl. Yeah. Ooh, look, TV. Ooh. Ah. I used to want to be one of those. Yeah, you're not a little with. Yeah, she was doing Carol Merrill hands too. Um. The guy, Rick, he's actually from Louisiana. He's the one you guys teased last week about needing to go to AA. So oh, yeah. when he sent me the message back, or I think it was actually Lori who did it, um, sent it back, she said she wanted to choose number 17 because she was sure that that was going to be the free session at the Alcoholic Anonymous, <laughs> Anonymous meeting in Orlando. <laughs> oh, that's Rick and Lori, the bead yeah. pirate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. Oh, Lord. He wants everybody on the podcast cruise to get tattooed. No, that's not going to happen. We have their address now. We know where to go knocking next time we're... Yeah, we're going to stalk them the next time we're near. We know where to send the restraining order. Yeah, really. (laughs) Just teasing. (laughs) Well, great. Congratulations, everyone, all our our winners. And like I said, uh, for the rest of the month, every week, we're going to be giving away at least three prizes a week. Uh, Have a chance to pick a number from the prize matron and see what you win. There are two podcast cruises in there. And as I have mentioned before, it is my I am determined to give away both uh, this month. So people we'll just aren't choosing the right numbers. They just aren't. But 
You know, we'll figure out a way. We'll figure out a way to give them away. So, all right. We should do like, have you seen what Deal or No Deal is doing now? Where they put more million dollars in oh, there? Yeah. yeah. Every time one of these are knocked out, put a cruise in, in that number. <laughs> like, put that many more cruises back in. So people have and a then once chance. I have, are, I have your permission yeah. to do that? No, you can only give away two, oh. but the but odds gives, become yeah. better. You exactly. Know? I like that idea. Julie knows what I mean. Well, I will not I will not replay I will not put cruises in the numbers that were picked and people would know what numbers <laughs> no, to no, pick. But, but I'm saying put five, six more back in each, randomly. Well, each week each week I'll add each week that we don't give one away, I'll add one more. Four. I'll add one more. Four. One more <laughs> what are you doing podcast cruise to the prize matron. <laughs> well, we're gonna give away two. But each week that we don't give one away, I'm going to add, so it'll increase the odds. The odds of giving away. Like the odds of one in 25, which is those are your odds right now of winning a podcast cruise if you pick a number. One in 25. There are 50 prizes, two cruises. Oh. So. I'm thinking, wait, what? <laughs> it's fractions. <laughs> it's not good at fractions. <laughs> I was doing my gazintas. <laughs> so, all right, folks, we're going to get moving on with the news and our first news story this week. Disney is claiming, and this is just killing me, this whole story is just killing me. Disney is claiming that it is exempt from a new state law that allows employees to bring guns with them to work. You heard me correctly, bring guns with them to work. Walt Disney World is using a legal loophole and stating that they are exempt from Florida's recently enacted legislation allowing concealed weapons to be carried by residents with permits. The law allows for Florida residents who possess a concealed weapons permit to bring firearms with them to work as long as they remain locked inside the employee's car. Disney is claiming that their federal permits for the storage and use of fireworks falls under the law's stipulation that employers who manufacture, store, or use explosives can, are exempt from this law. A legal team representing Disney and other Florida businesses lobbied for that exemption. And a spokeswoman for Disney did say that anyone bringing a gun on property can expect to be subject to discipline. And now, in a related story, a Disney cast member by the name of Edwin Sotomayor is challenging Disney's exemption and has claimed that Disney is violating his rights by not allowing him to bring his gun to work. Sotomayor works as a security guard at Disney's Animal Kingdom, and he showed up for work last week with his handgun locked in his trunk and basically dared Disney to do something about it. And they did. Uh, they suspended him. <laughs> when Sotomayor arrived for work last Friday, he was greeted by his bosses and a few Orange County sheriffs who asked if they could inspect his car. When he refused, he was suspended from his job and banned from property. Sotomayor claims that he will take legal action against Disney if he is fired and stated that, quote, it's not just for me, it's for everyone involved in this. Yeah, you're a real hero. Uh, he also stated that he was ready to lose his job over this. Good, you should. Uh, it can't happen. That can't happen soon enough. Look, I am a big proponent of the Second Amendment. I believe the Second Amendment gives every person in this country the right to keep a firearm in their house, to protect their home and their family, and for hunting and, and sport and things like that. Absolutely great. We don't need people driving on the roads with guns. There's no reason for it. What possible reason? What possible reason could someone have for having to have a gun in their car? So that somebody, 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 somebody cuts you off and you, you whip out a gun? We need that. What about what? people getting carjacked? 
Okay, how often does that happen? I don't know. Is that is that so? <laughs> is it so rampant? Is carjacking so rampant in this in this town right now or in this state that it that it mandates that drivers should have should be allowed to have guns in their cars? No, I'm sorry, absolutely not. The argument that uh, people who are for this law saying you can bring your gun to work is they are saying that they spend most of their time commuting. And this is a time in, that they feel that they need protection as well. I'm just telling you what I'm... Don't... No, I'm, I'm just... Don't kill the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. <laughs> so this is the reason behind why they're saying you should, you should be allowed to bring your gun to work because the time you're traveling to and from work are times when you need to protect yourself as well. The people who are against this policy are saying, well, now there's no cooling off period. Now there's no way that if an employee is upset about something, they can go back to their car, get their gun, come back, and cause problem. For it. None. Why do Disney cast members have to bring have to bring guns to work? And then the the argument that Disney and the and the theme parks are making is that they added this. They had the legislation add this little loophole, sort of last minute, that said that if there are explosives or pyrotechnics being stored on property they should not be allowed to bring their gun to work. So that's where the sort of Disney universal argument comes about. But what some people are saying is that, well, that's not every area of Disney. That's only certain areas where they store these pyrotechnics. So I, think the employ- I think the employer should have a right to choose whether or not their, uh, their employees can do this. I mean, I know it's the law, but I think the employers should have the right to say yes or no to certain things. I mean, even a disgruntled employee working at Walmart, you know, you told me I had to stock aisle 12. You know, walks out all pissed. I mean, I think it's. I think the employer should have a have a right to say yes or no. Well, then you become you start to talk about uh, private property laws. If the employer owns the property, then they have the right to say when you're on my property what you can and can't do, what you can and can't have in your car. Uh, you know, these it's are, a touchy subject. Look, I mean, um, the, the gun laws are. It's a touchy. It subject. is a very touchy subject, especially in our country. I don't think anybody should be able to have guns. Well, Anybody. you know well, what? That's, I, that's Second Amendment. You see, I have a ir- gun in the home. Well, irrespective, irrespective of you know whether people should have guns or not, the fact of the matter is, Constitution allows for it. And you know, on this particular issue, I agree with the the recent Supreme Court ruling that said that you know because there's always been a question as to whether or not the Second Amendment said does you have a right to bear arms to form a well uh, to have a well formed militia, or was it you know a right to bear arms to protect your your home and person. And they've interpreted it as both. It, it, it covers both, that you have a right to bear arms for a militia. You also have a right to bear arms to protect your home. And I'm cool with that. And I, I'm not one of these anti-gun people by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not somebody who thinks. I, th- I think there should be ban on, bans on assault weapons. But, you know, I don't think you need to go hunting with a, a semi-automatic to one. I, I don't know. I, I just I don't get it. I don't get it. If there are more guns and more people with guns in public... Doesn't that raise the risk? Well, I think be, you uh, have to. I think you have to go through some sort of training to get a concealed weapons permit. I'm like, not sure. On like that. the guy at Virginia Tech. Well, I'm not sure. If well, you need a, bought one. Well, the problem is you're talking about a concealed weapons permit. I mean, there's illegal guns out there. I mean, we're talking people, about uh, individual state laws. Each state has their own laws on right. guns. And one of the things I have a problem with is that we, in the state of Florida, is you don't require any kind of mental check, any that's kind true. of background that, yeah. into someone's mental stability. I think that's an important yeah. part of this. Yeah. We should find out who's getting it, you know? Oh. If you look back at most of your 
gun crime sprees, most of those people yep. had something wrong Mental. mentally. Yeah, I, if I, although if I'm not mistaken, part of the background check in Florida does look for uh, any any reported history of mental illness. Well, there are two different checks. There's one check that uh, takes about two minutes. That's right. Well, you just went through this. Yeah, so. there's one check. If you buy a shotgun, the, the, the background check is like five minutes at the most. If you buy a handgun, I think they do a two- to three-day check, a more um, you know extensive background search. Look, I have a gun to protect a house. Somebody comes in our house wanting to do any harm to me Absolutely. or Julie or our family, they're going to meet my 12-gauge. 100%. And, and I stand on that, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm 100% yeah. for that. Absolutely. I think we have the right to own guns. We have the right to protect our property and our person. Absolutely. But I think infusing the general public, especially in the tourist corridor here, arming the public, basically, you're, there is something horrible. I just... Uh, and I don't think you can pick up a newspaper. You talk about having a gun in the house. I don't think you can pick up a newspaper where you haven't found that someone got the gun who shouldn't have had the gun and someone in the family has been killed. I, I just – I don't understand it. I really don't. But, That's, I, but those I, people don't know how to properly store a gun or to keep it safe. You don't think that argument's been given 100,000 times? Yes, but I, I grew up in a home with guns, many guns. And I was brought up to respect them. They were in a locked cabinet. Any pistol that my dad had had a lock on it. Um, there was you know, no question. I would never touch one of his guns, and neither would one of my brothers. I think this is a fundamental argument about a lot of things we talk about, and we talk about personal responsibility. There's a certain level of the public who it's okay, who can handle it, who can do it. Then there's a level of the public who can't. Exactly. So what do we do to control that? I don't think allowing people to take their guns to Disney World and put them in their car is the answer to you know, fixing any of these problems. It only makes things worse. Yeah, I, I, just, it's, I think it's only a matter of time. If this law is allowed to stand and if, if Disney loses its battle on this, which I 100% support them on, if they lose their battle on this, I think it's only a matter of time before we end up hearing a story about a cast member having just being pushed too far, going out to his car, grabbing a gun, and opening opening fire on guests or for other workers, or which other workers. scares me for yeah, for, it you does. Know, for Anna. And it, it, I think it is just a matter of time. And like you know, someone said about the cool, no cooling off period. Um, there's you know, it just is. I, I think it's a recipe for disaster. I don't see where it belongs, why it's necessary, it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make... I mean, it, it, like I said, if there was a wave of carjackings and they... and I mean, if they were happening multiple times a day all over the place and... I just use that as an example, you know. Well, I'm just I, saying, I'm, don't, yeah. I'm just saying, though, if there was something like that, if there was some kind of event going on when people were driving to and from work, but what's the, what's the most likely event you're going to have ro- driving to and from work? Road rage. And now, not only do you have road rage, but you've got a gun in the car with you. That's why I bought a bigger car. Recipe, <laughs> recipe for disaster. I don't need a gun. I've got an armada. And I, I just... going to mow them down. It's crazy. I'm sorry. I it's also just, think this gentleman from Disney it was looking to make we an know, example. We know for a fact that this young gentleman, I don't know how young he is, but this gentleman actually knew this was all going to happen and did it premeditated. Well, the fact that they were standing there waiting for yeah. him. With oh, there's no doubt that it was all grandstanding. Yeah, right. It's all grandstanding. And now he's going to be a big gun advocate. Knock it off. Go back to work. <laughs> so on snow globes a, and glow sticks. There's a, <laughs> glow yeah. necklaces. No, there's a, there, there, there's a burger somewhere waiting to be flipped. Oh, man. 
It's just idiot. Sorry. Oh, and that's what we have for the news this <laughs> week. <laughs> the end of our Christmas in July show. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. I should have been playing that <laughs> the entire time. Now, I have something. One of the people, a young lady from Great Britain, her name is Wish Spirit, I think, posted on the board that while you cannot carry mace anywhere, mace is illegal, that you can get a small can of deodorant. And that if you can aim the same as you could with a can of mace, deodorant is not illegal. And if you wanted to carry something that was legal, carry a small can of deodorant with you. It serves two purposes. And you're... <laughs> One, you don't smell like a tourist. Keep right. it dry. And if someone tries to come up and grab that $20 out of your hand while you're buying glow sticks, you can spray them with deodorant. I yeah. think a small can of hairspray could do the trick, too. I think that's too. With a, with a lighter. <laughs> what, what has gotten into you? Yeah, really? It's really? Rambo over there. <laughs> guns. He always wants to be exactly you Oh, man. We got guns. He wants to, like, put people on fire with hairspray. Uh, the West Bank of New Orleans. I'm telling Born you. Born and raised. <laughs> oh, too much. Too much. There is one other thing I did want to mention, though. Have you guys seen, heard about this new coaster, SeaWorld's building? Manta. The Manta. Yeah. The Manta. Have you seen the Have you seen the designs of this though? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is going to be. This is going to open next year, and you're actually uh, you're going to be prone laying horizontally underneath like this big Manta Manta Ray, and that's the roller coaster. And like you skim the water doing like sixty miles an hour. Um. No. <laughs> and you, you do inversions that's and inversions. Awesome. Yeah. There's but you're no laying. Way. I mean, you're literally laying. You face but you're down uh, underneath the right. You're like you're, you're under the track. Yes. yes, yes. The track is suspended above you yeah. for the most part until well, you no, do your loops. Track is and above then you're going to almost drown right. when they drag you across the water. You actually won't touch the water. I just thought we you have know, a rain or something, and that retention pond gets filled up. <laughs> <laughs> now maybe maybe this maybe this technology has been used somewhere else, and I'm just not familiar yeah, with it. But I think it's I, I think that's incredible. There's a that's Superman sad. ride in one of the great adventures. Excuse me, I don't know which one it is, but you people ride like you're flying like Superman. Wow. You're, Suspended below the, the you, ride mechanism. You load standing up, yep. and then they tip you forward. No, this reminds me of the Sky Coaster. It'll take Corey another 10 years to get me on that. <laughs> oh, you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right, that's going to do it for the news this week, folks. We're going to move on and do a quick weather update. Uh, this week, you should expect temperatures in the high 80s to low 90s, with isolated thunderstorms being predicted every day with the highest chance of precipitation on Monday, July 14th, and Tuesday, July 15th. Now, as we've mentioned uh, over the past few weeks, uh, thunderstorms have really become a regular occurrence this season, and unlike years past, these are not the kind of thunderstorms that are moving in for 15 minutes and leaving. These are hanging around for a while. Uh, So if you're coming down, it looks like for this season, this summer, if you're coming to Orlando, be prepared uh, that a good portion of your day will be spent you know, ducking ducking away from, from thunderstorms. If you are someplace where there's not somebody guiding you like a Disney cast member, please take these thunder, thunderstorms seriously. Very seriously. That if you see one rolling in, your best bet is to take cover. These thunderstorms can, A, be violent, and the lightning, or the cloud to ground strikes, is higher than it's ever been before in Florida. Yeah. 
We yeah. watched one last week. It was 9,000 strikes in one single storm. Right. And that was like within an hour. It's yeah. crazy. So. So, and, the, and the rule of thumb is, thumb is that if you can hear thunder, you can be struck by lightning. Right. Correct. And uh, we've had, we had a lot of ground strikes around here. Walter had one right near his house, blew out his cable. Um, blew out the NIC card on his computer, uh, d- killed, destroyed his television. I th- we lost our phones last week. We were without phones for three days, and while the phone company won't admit it, we're fairly certain it was lightning. Yeah, and a couple weeks ago, we lost some equipment here in the studio um, after a, after a strike. Which now, once we're done with the show, I just unplug everything. One thing about the rain closings, I noticed at, at the water parks, if you can sit tight. During a rain closing, usually they, they pass right over. I mean, people just empty the parks while it rains. Oh, and yeah. if you can sit tight during a rain closing and it's not close to closing time for the park, you basically have that entire park to yourself. As soon as the rain stops. As soon as yeah. the rain moves past, I mean, you'd be surprised. Now, one other thing that uh, if you're planning on coming down in the next week or so, you should keep your eye on is Tropical Storm Bertha. The current forecast is predicting that the storm will track more to the northwest. And if it does that, it will not be a threat to Florida. But we have seen this before, and sometimes these storms don't do what they say they're going to do. So we're going to be keeping an eye on it, and if it looks like it's imminent that it's going to hit our area, uh, we will be putting information on the uh, main, uh, on the DIS homepage, wdwinfo.com. So we're keeping an eye on it, but just be aware of it right now. We'll, we should have an, a better idea by the end of the week uh, what uh, what kind of track it's taking, but... It's uh, it begins, it begins. And I if think you're the name in, is really funny. I do too. It sounds like a cartoon <laughs> Big character. Bertha. And if you're in the area, the crisis music on the news has already started. Yes. Oh my gosh! Uh, yes. dun, 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 I, when dun. it was right off the coast of Africa, and they're like, "It's four thousand miles away." I'm like, "Okay, guys." <laughs> We're watching this, and they take out the marker and mark the screen. It's funny. Yeah. They yeah. get a little hysterical. They love yeah. it. They, they are just do. so into it. But they haven't had a chance. They haven't uh, had any reason to play the crisis. No. This is our season. What I what I am going to try and do though, what I am going to try and do is that if we get a hurricane, if we do, God forbid, get hit with a hurricane. <gasps> Can I do the outside thing? I'm going to try. I'm going to <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm try. I'm going to try and do a live. I'm going to try and do live on Diz Radio, like report from here, like what's going on. Are you going to have video? <laughs> so your house is going to be the hunker down location. <laughs> <laughs> For me. Oh, I thought you meant like all of Well, no, I think you guys are going to be protecting your own homes. Yeah, and but I just sure didn't know what he meant. Who's going to bring the spam? <laughs> yeah, I'm not driving here in the convertible. <laughs> uh, spam, is, right, spam is the hunker down hunker food down. Uh-huh. So, all right, that'll do it for the weather. We're going to move on to rapid fire. And who would like to go first? I will. All right. They all looked at me. (laughs) You always have your hand shoots up in the air. Um, Mine is about the summer jazz series that's taking place all summer through early October at the Hyatt Newport Beach out in California. Have you guys noticed that I've been doing a lot of California rapid fires? Yes, Yes, you have. I'm trying to be fair to our fans and our listeners out there so it will take place has nothing to do with the fact that we're going in august no i started this like weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) maybe i was trying to send subliminal messages (laughs) but anyway oh is that what it was i'm gonna start doing ones about paris (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna take place at the hyatt newport beach amphitheater on the golf course it's hosted by the wave 94.7 
And this event will feature smooth sounds of various jazz artists. Some of these include Bobby Caldwell, Hiroshima, Warren Hill, The Rippingtons, and Guitars and Sax, among others. If you want more information, go to summerjazzseries.com. Cool. Thank you very much, Mrs. Martin. Mr. Martin. There is a new archery experience at uh, Fort Wilderness Campground. The, uh, you'll be instructed on how to use a compound bow, and then you'll take aim at a bullseye on a range target. Um, this takes place Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The time is 2.45 to 3.15. It's for ages 6 and up. It's $25 plus tax. Um, and this takes place, uh, the check-in is at the Fort Wilderness Bike Barn. And with anything that you have reserved at Fort Wilderness, allow plenty transportation time to get there i hope they provide arrowproof vests for six-year-olds <laughs> really i don't want to be anywhere near this place i think instead of having a gun you should become good with a bow and arrow you keep one of those in the car huh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay robin Hood. <laughs> you do that Imagine. hold on trying to get the bow out <laughs> all right thank you Corey. kevin uh mine is about adr's they have switched the prompts. If you're calling Disney Dining, you might want to listen. I used to be one of those people who would not even really pay attention. I just knew the code that you press the right buttons to get through to someone. It's actually a voice response system now as opposed to button pushing. You have to say whether you would like to speak in Spanish or English, and they ask you all sorts of questions. So make sure you pay attention when you're calling Disney Dining. And um, we have also heard rumors about ADRs changing at this point, as far as I can tell, at, in all my research, I have no verification of this, that it, they're going from 180 days to 90 days. I will continue to search out information. I've heard different things, but I've seen I can't get verification from Disney that this is, in fact, something that's happening. Cool. I'm very interested to see if they actually make that change. Well, the rumors that I'm hearing is that it's going to change for a short time before they it go changes back. Yeah. back. I don't. I, I've I've made several calls to Disney, and they sort of have this "what are you talking about" thing going. So they're not admitting to anything, or they don't know. So. Cool. Thank you, Kevin. John. I had a bunch to choose from, and I think I've landed on the best one: Goth Day to take over Disneyland in November. Goth Day. Goth Day. It's usually called Bats Day in the Fun Park, but it's more commonly known as Goth Day. Close to 5,000 ghoulish goths will descend on Disneyland in November for the 10th annual Bats Day, a macabre counterculture celebration that turns the Anaheim theme park into the blackest place on earth. Okay, what? Now, this is my, <laughs> this is my favorite part. I'm actually reading this from travel.latimes.com to give them... Uh, credit because I am reading this word for word. This event brings together the music and fashion subcultures of goth, industrial, black metal, death rock, and psychobilly for a fun and frivolous day in the parks. Am I living in the Twilight Zone? <laughs> we you got people toting guns to work and, and now... <laughs> They should do it during June or July. Have a bunch of oh, sweaty guys running around. I think walk they around do with it. White, white makeup and like big black eyes. And I think they should do it. I think that and Gay Day should be at the same time. <laughs> I think Kent and Vixen from The Amazing Race should host. I do too. I want to. I want to hear Psycho Billy though. I've heard death metal and black metal. I've heard all that. I don't know what Psycho. I'm getting Billy old. Is. I'm getting old. I thought this was great. I think we should plan a trip around this. Oh, yeah. We'll just do that. Go ahead. <laughs> I've got blackmail. What's the date in. again? It's uh, 
let me forget, let me get it. Pre-events on Saturday, November eighth, include a sixty vendor black market and ghoulish gala cocktail party, both at the DoubleTree Suites in Anaheim. The Goths take over Disneyland and Disneyland's California Adventure on Sunday, November 9th. Can I just say, the freaks come out at night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need black platform shoes. You are so alienating our goth listeners. <laughs> and I want to go. Yeah. Uh, I have white pancake both of them. you can borrow. But I, I think it sounds like fun. What I think is funny is the way they dress. They dress head to toe I'm gonna black, go, I'm gonna long go, coats. I'm going to go dressed as Doris Day. I should know where right I really in. want to go. That's the oh my goth days. <laughs> <laughs> like in a touch of mink? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the people who aren't aware of this and they go into the parks that day? They probably think it's being taken over. I think I think they should pipe in Barry Manilow music <laughs> to the parks. Have you ever been in the park and seen someone dressed in goth? Yes. And you just think to yourself, you must be so hot. And it's like 300 degrees yeah. and you're thinking, what else can I take off without getting arrested? <laughs> The idea of wearing pancake makeup just... No, I just... Thing. I don't know. I, like I said, I'm getting old. That must be it. I'll go if you want me to report on this. I go ahead. We, I think we need to get some Psycho Billy in our iTunes. I, I really don't even know what it is. I'm, I'm perplexed. I'd love to hear some. Well, it should be very, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. If anyone's ever been there for goth day, I'd love to hear what it was like. Send photos. Send photos. Give us a call. Whatever. All right. Thank you very much, John. That should be the first thing that we make one of our California reporters do. Go to Goth Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they'll love that. That's good. How good are you? <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, uh, Brendan Fraser is going to be making a guest appearance at Universal's Revenge of the Mummy ride on July 11th. Clips from Fraser's upcoming The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor will be shown, followed by a question and answer session. Guests can enter a contest to attend the premiere of the new movie in California, which is pretty cool. So if you want to see Brendan Fraser, who I have to say, I love him, but he's not aging gracefully. He's one of those people who lucked out with a franchise. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying he, not the not the franchise right. per se, but he's not aging gracefully. He looks like, in Walter's words, road hard, put away wet. <laughs> the sight of future hair plugs. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Now, I've, I've got Brendan Fraser fans, I've got goth people, and I've got gun owners. Let's see who else I can who else I can offend this uh, this week. What did I say on the way here? Kevin said, "Who can we really get annoyed this week on the podcast? Let's see who we can pick on." Well, I've given you a buffet, <laughs> a buffet of, of uh, demographics. But uh, so yeah, July 11th, Brendan Fraser at 2 p.m. over can, at Universal. If we can find one goth gun-toting Brendan Fraser fan, they should call in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please call in from far, far away. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is going to do it for Rapid Fire this week. Okay. We're talking with blogger Kevin Yee from MySage.com. Thanks very much for joining us, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, now, uh, among uh, besides just being a blogger, you're also an author. You've uh, written uh, several Disney books, including 101 Things You Never Knew about Walt Disney World, an unauthorized look at tributes, little touches, and inside jokes, as well as the unofficial dining guide to Walt Disney World. That's right. And the uh, dining guide is your most recent book, isn't it? Uh, It's the most recent Walt Disney World book. Uh, There are actually two new books hitting the market July 1, so this month, uh, that are not Disney World specific, but of the Disney World books, the dining guide is the more recent one, and I have to update it all the time. 
That's great. That's great. Um, now, before we get uh, too much into things, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of brought you into the world of Disney, how you got started as a blogger and a sure. Disney fan? Sure. Well, I grew up in Southern California, and as you can imagine, that meant I was at Disneyland all the time with mm-hmm. my family growing up, uh, and also meant that I became a cast member over there as soon as I could, and spent about 15 years working in restaurants and entertainment uh, at Disneyland. Really started my love for the company and the parks. Uh, that led to a couple of uh, trivia-oriented books about this land. By this time, it was uh, 2000, and I had switched sides of the country, and uh, well, Disney World became my home area. And um, around the same time, when I started blogging. Now, uh, this week in your blog on mysage.com, you have a very interesting article about uh, the possibility that Disney is considering closing uh, Animal Kingdom or uh, Hollywood Studios one day a week starting in 2009. Uh, now, what is your take on that? Do you think it's going to happen? And if it does, what kind of response do you think the overall community is going to have to something like that? You know, I don't think anyone is talking yet about this is going to happen for sure, even within the company. Uh, the uh, the word I've gotten is that things, the advanced bookings, are starting to reach levels where people are getting nervous in the executive offices. And uh, nervous executives means they start looking at contingency plans, what could we do in case this happened or in case the bookings don't firm up? And uh, they came up with a couple plans. And uh, I, I talked about buses, perhaps having fewer buses, buses having schedules and therefore having fewer buses. Uh, that was an option. And as you mentioned, closing one day um, a week for Animal Kingdom or uh, Hollywood Studios. And it's a midweek, of course. And... Um, you know, I don't know that the company really wants for that to happen either. Uh, and um, yeah, that seems pretty drastic. I mean, I, I know that, of course. I mean, we're looking at a a pretty uh, a pretty rough economy right now. But all things considered, it seems like Disney is faring that pretty well so far. So I was kind of su- surprised when I read that. Yeah, they have been, and I think they they did some really smart things when it comes to the Magic Your Way program and uh, this in- internal concept they have called Destination Disney, which really means keep the customers right here on property and. And um, there's all sorts of programs they put in place toward that end, like uh, the free bus ride um, to these Magical Express over from the airport. It discourages people from having um, cars, and therefore they're really staying only at the Disney parks. And, and the Magic Your Way ticket pricing. Uh, you know, for an extra dollar, why not stay an extra day? And, and I think Disney's done some really smart things in putting all that in place, and that's probably helped them weather the downturn in the economy so far. And it's one reason why um, Disney hasn't had to, um, to look at extremes lately, you know, with the, the service is basically the same as it always has been right now. I'm in the park at this moment. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention on this topic is uh, I get asked sometimes, well, what about uh, after September 11th? You know, the travel fell off the cliff then, too, and Disney did not close any parks, and that's true. Um, I think, however, that they may have taken something of a financial sheet bloody nose at the time. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's probably what's motivating them this time around to say, what can we do to make sure that bloody nose doesn't happen again? Well, you know what's funny? When you mention uh, September 11th, um, you know, one of the big things that I was amazed at, every, every outfit in town was dumping their rates like crazy after se- September 11th to try and get people in. The only one who didn't do it was Disney. Uh-huh. And uh, they kept talking about rate integrity, that we have to maintain rate integrity. We can't discount our packages. We can't discount our hotels. People are going to expect to get those prices. And as you said, they took a bloody nose 
uh, in the year after 9-11 and eventually had no choice but to start. That's when we started seeing all those great packages, you know. The advent of free dining came from uh, this new this new concept that you know we could play around with our prices and we could do something along the lines of discounts and still make money. Um, yeah, no, you mentioned free dining, and that's the case in point, really, about Disney doing really smart things since September 11th, and this is another one of them, and uh, that really brings people in here. It, it brings them in, makes the restaurants completely full, which was not at all the case before, and um, it's one of their big weapons, and. Uh, the other thing I've been hearing is that uh, free dining may be extended through other parts of the year. That's another one of their contingency plans. That would be nice to see. <laughs> well, for certain people, it sure would. For those of us who uh, live nearby and don't know the reservations that we want eight months or six months in advance, it's a little harder. All right. Let me, well, let me, let me clarify. For those of us in the travel business, <laughs> that would be a great thing if they did that. that was clearly. And I think a lot of the people flying into the area would benefit Oh yeah, business. absolutely. I, but I know what you mean. For us locals, it, it has made uh, it has made made getting reservations sometimes a little bit of a challenge. Hey, I try to take a long view here. You know, if it's good for the tourists, then I think it's good for me. It Ultimately, might mean, it might mean at a sort of local, small scale day level that I'm not getting what I want. But by and large, it means that Disney's catering to the people who spend a lot of money. They have once in a lifetime vacations. They talk about it. They come back. And what it really means is Disney builds new rides and shows and so forth. And I benefit from that. Exactly, exactly. Now, you mentioned that uh, you, know, you were uh, born and raised in Southern California and that you uh, obviously went to Disneyland a lot. You worked at Disneyland. Um, how do you compare the two? How do you compare Disneyland to Disney World, being someone who has you know, a lot of inside knowledge in both places? You've, you've got a lot of experience in both places. Uh, how do you compare the two? Yeah, you know, I don't have um, horribly original answers to that. You're going to hear shades of, of this from other people, too. But I, I think it's true to say that there is an element of magic to um, to the Walt Park, the Walt Park at Disneyland. There's, and I think it comes from the intimacy, the cuteness of the buildings next to each other, and and the ride systems overlapping each other. If you look at it from a 3D perspective, um, and and that lends itself to uh, kind of I don't know um, childhood cuteness, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, whereas at Disney World, you have a different kind of magic taking place. It's, it's grandeur. It's, uh, Tony Baxter, imagine your Tony Baxter once called it the spectacle of the Magic Kingdom. You don't have a spectacle at Disneyland. You have intimacy. Yeah. Um, and, and the spectacle is right, too. You have this overwhelmingness, this immersiveness, and you really feel like you're somewhere else, and it doesn't feel like it's cobbled together and, and, and small and intimate, but uh, at the same time, you know, it's gain something and lose something on both parts. Yeah. You see, now, one of the things that I noticed, uh, especially on my last trip out there back in, uh, back in April was that, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at the name tags on everybody working at Disneyland, and they're all from Southern California. They're all, these are people who grew up there, grew up with the park, and I think the cast members out there in particular have a, a sense of legacy that the uh, cast members in Walt Disney World don't really have. I mean, cast members in Disney World really come, there, there, are, there are very few Florida natives, you know, most everybody's a transplant. And That's true. So I, I always thought that was a, a that always made a big difference that they seem to have a, a much better sense of their legacy of Walt's legacy at right. Disneyland. They talk a little bit more about legacy, about history, and, and culture culture of the company as well over on the Anaheim side of the equation. But you know this is this is one of those things where you get uh, pros and cons to everything. One of the advantages to not having locals be the people working in the parks here is that uh, they're more likely to be international students or college students rotating in and out all of the time. And frankly, that makes them um, more excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. So That's... You, you really do, you, you get pluses and minuses on both sides, and uh, 
I'm of the opinion that it's, you know, it's just different. It is apples and oranges, and I like both fruits. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Um, uh, now, Kevin, another great uh, blog article you wrote recently uh, had to do with the impact that the price increase of stroller rentals was going to have uh, on on visitors and in the parks. Talk to me a little bit about that, what your position is on that, what you feel. Well, this was a few months ago, and uh, sort of seemingly out of nowhere, the, the prices for stroller rentals in the parks just leaped skywards. I think it was about 50% or so higher than it was previous to this increase, and to the point now where it's about $18, I think, per day to rent a single stroller. It's crazy. Uh, it's high, you know, and it um, leads one to wonder what exactly are they up to? What are they What are they hoping to accomplish here? Is it just the greed element, get more money for here? Um, and my first thought, really, when I, when I saw this was that uh, perhaps they wanted to get out of the stroller rental business and into the stroller sales business. Now, a couple of the, the places, the parks here, do have strollers for sale right next to the stroller rental spot. And, you know, maybe it makes sense in, an, in a spreadsheet to um, do sales rather than rentals, I suppose, you know, greater marginal dollars here and there. Um, that might have been their thinking. Uh, in a so, that was pretty short-sighted thinking because that's not really what the customers want. Agreed. Um, but, uh, yeah, as time has gone on, I've come to realize there's... Um, potentially other things going on here as well, and we talked a, a little bit earlier about this internal concept of Destination Disney, keep them on the property, that's insulated them from downturn. Well, it's uh, a byproduct of that insulation means that there's now some price flexibility. You know, the customer is stuck on property, uh, may not have, probably doesn't have a rental car or any other options, um, so you get the sort of stadium pricing model coming into being. You know, the people are captive audience. Um, maybe then you jack up the rate because they're a captive audience and uh, reap more money out of it. That's another thought. And, you know, there's, uh, this is not one of those moments where there's hard, hard information about what people were thinking. And, uh, you know, I could give them the benefit of the doubt and say maybe all they were really trying to do was discourage solar rents for people who don't really need it. And then you get into the question of 9- and 10-year-old kids riding around in strollers. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and Clearly, they don't need it, taking up walkway space. Uh, so, you know, the benefit of the doubt reading, reading with the grain, is that the company looked at that and said, okay, maybe strollers are too cheap because these people who don't need it are doing it. So it, it's a real tightrope, though. You know, you go too far, and I think maybe they have with the pricing, then you alienate people who do need it. So it was just an extreme jump. Well, I think that – I'm sorry. I think that's what bothered me the most was that, you know th- – for the uh, granted, we, you, you definitely have those people with the nine and ten year olds, uh, you know, renting the stroller for nine and ten year olds. But the vast majority of people, I think, are, are are renting them for their for their children, their infants, and their toddlers. And you know, these are young families. These are people, in my opinion, anyway, who can least afford to pay this kind of increase. And I'm just saying to myself, you know, what are they thinking when they're when they're looking down the barrel, you know, at an economy like we have right now, and they're going to put this on the people who can least afford it. It just it, it, sometimes the decisions they make are just so myopic. Well, that is you put your finger right there on the major problem, and that is a tendency towards short-term thinking. Um, and it's in every industry, of course, but I, I've seen it in Disney more than in other industries lately, and in, in Walt Disney World in particular. Uh, you know, if, if Yes, it is possible, theoretically, to squeeze every last nickel and dime out of a customer 
uh, and maybe they're still going to have a good time. But it's, it's very hard to quantify exactly where their line in the sand is. Yeah. You know? uh, if you're not asking every single one of them, are you coming back next year, then you're probably just assuming that, you know, oh, they had a good enough time, they'll come back. What if these customers are going to say, well, let's just delay and go every two years instead of every year? It was so expensive last And the, the myopic view, as you call it, it permeates all of these decisions. Like even the Destination Disney concept, let them stay on Disney property. Don't let them go off property. Um, is that really, at the end of the day, good? You know, what, what if it means that you've got a, a family from Ohio wanting to see Universal and the metrics and the economics make sense, Disney priced everything so that they only stay at Disney this year. Well, guess what? That family may decide next year only to go to Universal and Bush, not Disney. That's true. That's a good point. So, yeah, so the, the long-term thinking is, is a little bit absent here, and it's driven by the fact that the company is uh, a publicly traded company, and they have to have results every quarter, and uh, you know all the divisions are asked to buckle under, and, and uh, this is unfortunately what can occur. Kevin, this is John Magi. How you doing? I'm doing great. I have a question for you. Um, I'm impressed with how prolific you are. You have several books under your belt already. You've got two more coming out this month. You do your weekly blog. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you, your process, uh, how you come about getting your ideas, what makes you decide to write a book, all those things that I think people want to know about you personally? Mm -hmm, Sure. Uh, I have a pretty firm line between the book side of things and the blogger side of things. Uh, I'll talk about the book one first. The book side of things are um, very much fan-friendly. Uh, I would even say um, company-friendly, trivia-oriented, perhaps tourist-helpful kinds of books. Uh, and that's really their only goal. Uh, and, the, and the audience is is meant to be uh, very much the you know the Disney fan. With the blogger, with the blog posting, uh, the audience is sometimes different. I am sometimes talking to the company, to the managers, to the employees, as much as I'm talking to the, uh, to the, um, the people visiting the park. And um, the tone can be more critical on these blog postings. It's, it's not that I'm ever anti-Disney, anti-Walt Disney World, or even anti-management. Uh, it's just that I, I kind of hold Disney's, um, hold them up to their reputation, put it that way. Agreed. This has got a, a hard-earned brand that they've spent decades cultivating, and it's a beautiful, remarkable brand. It stands for a lot of things, and people love it. This much is known. But um, there are times when they veer away from that level of quality, that level of brand loyalty, even. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't say anything about those in the books, but the, the blog is where I would point that out to them, point it out to the, to the people visiting the parks and point it out to the managers. So um, that's a long way of getting back to the question of, you know, how do I come up with the ideas? the book. Um, it, that started first at Disneyland and, and, and as a blogger, having contact um, within the company. Uh, many Imagineers uh, helped me along. And The first ideas for the book, the Disneyland trivia books and the certain one things you never knew concept for both Disneyland and Disney World kind of came about because um, I was looking for a book myself. I had a collection of 250, 300 Disney theme park books. Um, I was looking for a book myself, and it didn't seem to be there about uh, the tribute. You know, those, those moments in the park where they've left something that was a part of an old attraction. And it's right there, everywhere in the park. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking for a place to have that all in one spot and um, have it vetted, you know, looked at by the, the people who would know. And since there wasn't one, that's where the idea came from. 
the books just kind of grow on their own organically like that. The uh, the blog postings, though, and um, you noted that I, I do them once a week, and I do usually, those come about um, from the weekend visits. I'm at Disney World every weekend with the family, simply visiting the parks. I'm not uh, out being critical necessarily or out with a magnifying glass looking for faded paint or any of that stuff. I'm out riding rides, watching shows, and um, I bring along with me a paper and a pen, and increasingly these days I bring along a little micro set recorder and uh, just capture notes as they occur to me as I'm wandering around. Or, um, you know, and, and it's not that ideas leap fully formed into my brain about what an article might be. Sometimes it's a matter of looking at the notes I've taken over the weekend and seeing if there's any kind of trend emerging. Hmm. Um, you know, this being all Disney World, though, it's not usually that hard of, of a job to figure out what to write about this next week because this place is amazing. There's something new to write about every week. Something has happened in the last seven days, almost always. You know, that's uh, funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because when we first started doing the podcast, we were like, okay, there's no way we're going to be able to fill an hour and a half once a week for any length of time on Disney World. And now it's two years on. And we've done very little in the way of repeating so far, I think. Right. <laughs> you know, well, you're right. There's always something new. Within the last week, for me, you know, for instance, has been the, um, the Narnia exhibit reopening with Prince Caspian. Uh, and then the 4th of July, um, various celebrations at the park. Some of them are new, and there are things to report about there. Uh, and, you know, the, the place is, is enormous. There are the four parks, and the two water parks, and the downtown Disney and Disney Quest. Yeah, I, I, could, I could spend seven days a week at the resort, and it would still be only once a week that I made my way over to some of these places. So, uh, since I don't spend every day, it's only two days a week, uh, sometimes it's three or four weeks before I make it back to a park, and I notice new things. Now, they're constantly putting new stuff in the, in the park. They're always adjusting it. Always adjusting Yeah, I, well, you know, yesterday in the Mexico Pavilion, I noticed this talking macaw um, as you make your way down into the indoor plaza there, off to the side in the cage. So far as I know, that's new. You know, they're, they're, they're the kind of thing that's completely unheralded. They don't have any press releases on it. There's no attraction that's tied to it. It's just a, a way to plus the park. And these are the kinds of things that draw me in and keep me coming week after week. Now, uh, one, one other question I, I wanted to ask you is I, I read your review, um, your excellent, excellent review on the new Simpsons ride uh, mm-hmm. over at Universal. And, you know, being a Disney aficionado, What's your uh, what's your take on Universal as a resort destination itself? I think Universal isn't changing. Um, I think that in the past, in particular, uh, before Islands of Adventure, Universal was content to duplicate its, its California park over on Florida. And um, I don't know that that put up as much um, competition for Disney as Disney would have would have been afraid of. Um, I, I think there's some element of Yes, competition and even reactionism on, on Disney's part when it comes to Bush Gardens and Universal being in the same town. You know, um, the Disney MGM Studios was announced after um, Universal Studios Florida was announced. Right. It ended up, it ended up opening first. But um, no, thanks to thanks to uh, the Reedy Creek Improvement District and Disney's ability to zone its own uh, construction projects. That's right. Yeah, but you know, it's it, it's suspicious timing, isn't it? You know, that. Um, Someone says we're going to build a studio park. There isn't one here in Florida, and the dish says, "Oh, we're going to do that too." Yeah, we're going to do it first. Uh, and you got little things like that all the time. You've got um, Mission Space, you know, perhaps as a reaction to um, Kennedy Space Center being so close, or even Animal Kingdom for that matter, uh, as a kind of reaction to Busch Gardens Tampa. 
so um, there is this kind of competition within the town that Disney and Universal have been long going at, and Islands of Adventure up the ante. It's kind of Universal's answer to the Magic Kingdom concept. And uh, that gave Disney a run for its money for a little while, and this is now finally the, the point at which I started saying that the Universal's changing. Um, this uh, Harry Potter expansion, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, promises to be a pretty significant um, new asset to Islands of Adventure. I agree. I think it's going to be very difficult for Disney to counter that. Yeah, it, it, it's not just a ride. It's a whole environment. And I think uh, the people who aren't sure that this is going to be much of a threat to Disney are underestimating the global reach of the, of the Potter name, the Potter brand. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I'm, I'm only a moderate fan of Potter myself. I'm not speaking of me. I'm speaking about the, uh, the fervor of the, of the, you know, the people who, who live in this world, so to speak. And uh, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big expansion. Potter is upping the ante. Um, the Simpsons ride is upping the ante. Uh, and I, I think I said as much in that article that the Simpsons ride was coming right around the same time as Toy Story Mania. And you know, I said, "Oh, this is just, this is fabulous. This is this is good for us customers because what it means is um, competition yields um, the the companies feeling both companies feeling that they need to come up with an answer to it and." The bottom line result for us customers is we get new stuff. Exactly. And uh, so I, I thought that the Simpsons ride quality being high was a good sign for Disney, too, and the Disney fans. Same thing with Toy Story Mania. I was really surprised with how, how well, how interesting they could make that concept. I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of the notion, but I'm a huge fan of the execution. Actually, and, Hi, uh, Kevin. Um, this is Julie. That's actually what I want to talk to you about. I read your blog about Toy Story Mania, and I was surprised at how in-depth... Um, your advice is on like what to shoot and where to shoot and the extra little bonus things that you can get. So you must have ridden this ride like 300 times in order to get all that information. <laughs> I've actually only ridden the ride probably about mm, 11 or 12 times. So only. That's still a lot. <laughs> only. <laughs> but well, I definitely am going to take that advice. Corey and I have not ridden it, but we'll be taking my little sister later in the month. I'm going to let her look over that so she can kind of have an idea of what she needs to shoot and, you know, look for. So I think it's awesome. In addition to having that, you know, a printout or, a, you know, cheat sheet uh, for yourself of what to shoot, um, the golden rule here is you need cooperation in the in the car. You and someone else, and it probably does need to be someone with good aim. So That's not me. It doesn't qualify as it. <laughs> um, you need to coordinate your, your attack, basically. And um, that's when you, you trigger the event to give the big point. So um, go into it knowing that you're going to have to go with someone and jointly you know share ideas about what you're going to shoot at, and then you'll unlock the good stuff. Well, in that case, Corey will be riding with Taylor because they are both way better than me. <laughs> you and John can go together. <laughs> no, I was good. Kevin was bad because he's colorblind. I'm colorblind, and I didn't realize I wasn't shooting at anything. I thought my little pies were John's pies, and I didn't do very well. <laughs> now, Kevin, I know this because we did a little. We talked a little bit before the the actual interview, and. Uh, tested out the phones, but why don't you tell our listeners where you're calling us from? I'm um, calling you from Blizzard Beach at the moment. I'm standing in the volleyball, stand volleyball court. I, I think we have some listeners who think that's a pretty good gig. Um, <laughs> anything there you see today you want to share with us? Anything, any little nugget you have for our listeners? Yeah, anything jump out at you today? Uh, about Blizzard Beach? Yes. Um, you know, well, we've just pulled in, actually. We have not been here all day. Uh, that's another benefit of, of 
living locally and having the annual passes is that you don't feel the, the, the crushing need to get out of, roll out of bed at 9 a.m. Um, and make your way into the park. Uh, but I can tell you that it is busy around here today, and, you know, yes, on the one hand, that, that might mean lines for some of the slides, but, you know, again, I take the long view here. If it's good for the company and, and crowds are good for the company, then I'm still thinking that's good for me overall. I agree. I agree. Well, we have been talking with Kevin Yee, blogger from MySage.com and author of several Disney uh, Disney books. We're going to have links to uh, his blog as well as uh, links to Amazon.com where you can buy his books. Kevin, I really, really appreciate you taking time out of uh, a day at Blizzard Beach to talk to us. <laughs> well, thank you all very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye-bye, Bye-bye now. All right. Next up. Our Christmas in July segment, we're going to discuss some of the things that there are to do around Walt Disney World for Christmas. Now, for those who didn't listen last week or haven't listened previously, what we do once a week, we cover in July, we cover a different aspect of the ho- spending the holidays either at Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line. We discuss things here around Orlando. Um, and uh, this is all in an effort to help you plan a great holiday trip. If you ha- if you are thinking about going to Disney for Christmas, this is a great time to go ahead and book that. And there's a lot of very, very unique things. It's probably the most unique time of the year, I think, at Disney World. Just so much great stuff going on. Starts right after Thanksgiving. Runs till right after uh, New Year's. So what are we going to talk about today, Mr. Magi? Uh, I think we should talk about sort of the biggie things, the things that everybody's most curious about, which are either the hard-ticketed events or the events that they do every year that get people excited. Um, This year we know that uh, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is a go. We have the dates for 2008 up on our site. This is a hard-ticketed event, meaning that you have to purchase a cypher ticket in addition to your park admission for that day. Um... Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party starts actually November 10th will be the first one of those. And that's also going to be the return of the Castle Dreamlights. That's where the castle was lit up last year in 200,000 tiny white lights that flickered and sparkled. It was incredible. It's outrageous. It's one of those things that you see Disney magic. Yeah. It's one of those things that sort of takes your breath away the first time you see it. And it was so phenomenally popular and so well-received and so well-conceived that they're bringing it back. If you don't know what we're talking about, we have the video of it on our YouTube channel. Yep. And you can enjoy this every night, whether or not you attend the party or not. That's just part of your park admission for the day. And then um, Mickey's uh, Very Merry Christmas Party, uh, they close the parks and they have everybody leave. And then only people who have tickets can get in. They do things like having it snow on Main Street. Hot cocoa, hot holiday cocoa. cookies. Yeah, crappy hot cocoa. Actually, they weren't closing the they weren't closing the park last year. They were asking people to leave, and you had a wristband when you went in for your ticket. With, I went in with your ticket, and if you didn't have a wristband, there were sort of watchers as you went around the park, and you couldn't move from location to location without passing somebody and showing them that you had a ticket. So what happens is the party actually starts at 7 o'clock. They start allowing people into the party, the Christmas party, the hard ticketed event at 4 o'clock. At least that's how it worked last year. And you could get your wristband. So that allowed you to get a little time in the park before the party closed or before the party started. 
Sorry. They have carolers. You can meet Santa Claus. I have a couple of helpful hints if this is the right place to insert them. Sure. Yes, it is. Okay. There's not a lot of food locations that are open during any of the hard-ticketed events. There's things like cocoa and cookies, and Casey sells hot dogs. But if you're looking for something other than that or have dietary restrictions, you should make plans to have your big meal earlier in the day because the restaurants in the Magic Kingdom are not usually open for these hard-ticketed events. Uh, Places like Columbia Harbor House last year. We're not open during the hard-ticketed events. Really? They used it yeah. outside as a photo location, a photo um, part of your uh, – you, you can have a holiday photo taken, and they were doing that. That was being done in front of the Harbor House. So it's one of those things that that's something to keep in mind. My other big tip for the party is – There's some special events that go on. There are special fireworks. There's a special holiday parade. The Christmas parade goes on during the party. And there's a stage show. It's one of the few times of year that something happens in the theater in Tomorrowland, the Galaxy Theater. And they have a show called Twas the Night Before Christmas. And last year... We talked about the fact that we thought it was pretty spectacular. It was yeah. The, the level of performance and the level of dancing was, in my opinion, Broadway caliber. Here's the trick. If you're going to do this, make sure that you position yourself to see that show first. They have a show early, about 5.30 or 6 o'clock. They have other repeat shows of that. But if you want to see that show, it coincides with the parade and the fireworks. So if you don't catch the first Twas the Night Before Christmas show, you then have to decide if you want to see the show, the fireworks, or the parade. You can no longer see all three. Yeah, you really do need to plan out your your night. Right. At least that's how it was in years past. While we don't have an exact schedule for 2008, I would probably guess that they're going to do the same thing. So if you want to see all three of those special events as part of the party, make sure you're there for the first show the other thing i would suggest and i know this is kind of not what anybody wants to do this theater has limited seating if you want to see the show the shows get very very crowded and they do reach capacity and people are turned away i recommend you get in line early to see we stood last year it's a good 25 minute show so if you don't want to stand or if your sight lines are if you have small children your sight lines might not be great if you're standing. So, I, again, if you want a seat in the theater, please make sure you get in line early. In addition to that show, there's most likely going to be a stage show. A castle show, but a that's repeated show. throughout the evening. Right, and there's no seats for that. Uh, in addition, many of the major rides will also be open. So you'll have a chance to ride some of the, the rides you may not get on during the day because of crowds. And there's also a lot of character interaction. The, the dance parties are so fun to watch. I love watching the little kids dance. I do too. It's one of my favorite. It's one of the reasons we love to go. Last year, there were two locations in the park, and there was a DJ who played music, and the cast and the uh, characters would dance with the kids and the adults. And As a matter of fact, Kevin's mother, <laughs> Chip Ordale, got hold of my mom in her wheelchair and made her the head of the conga line. Hmm. And she didn't see who was pushing the wheelchair. He was behind her. 
However, everybody else thought it was one of the most hilarious things to see this woman in the wheelchair kind of flailing to see who was pushing her around as part of the conga line. She kept saying, please, sir. Was it torment the handicapped? <laughs> we when, thought it was great. We were taking a picture, taking video When she saw that we were okay with it, it was okay. But it was like, who's she got nervous at first. pushing my wheelchair that I can see the people that are with me? Senior abuse. Really? Well, you got to think, too. Someone in a wheelchair, that's their independence. And that's yeah. how they get around. Um, so the dance parties are fantastic. The character interaction is great. You're going to see characters dressed in holiday gear, which is great. We get the question. Kevin joked about it last week. Is it worth it? It's absolutely worth it on many different levels. In addition to the special things that go on, the um, the uh, ability to ride rides you may not have gotten on during the day as well as seeing characters you may not have been able to see. One thing I haven't done before that I want to do this year is um, Belle's Enchanted Storytelling. She tells Christmas stories. I've not seen that, but I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure there's lots of little kids. But That's usually done over in the grotto by um, Cosmic Rays. Across from yeah. Cosmic Rays. At the base of the The castle. other thing is you get to see the Christmas parade. Now, once the parties stop, the week leading up to Christmas, they do the Christmas parade in the park for everyone. But for the the weeks leading up to the week before Christmas, the only way of seeing the Christmas parade is to go to the party. And the dates for the Christmas parade this year are going to be December 25th through the 31st, and they'll be doing it at 12.30 and 3.30 p.m., so if you want to get there during the day. We don't have information on the taping, usually uh, uh, one or two days during the week leading up to Christmas. Actually, it's usually done the first week of Christmas. December 1st through the 7th. There's a Disney website you can go to if you want to be one of the people that goes to the parade. We've answered this question the in the taping past. of the parade. The taping of the Christmas parade that's shown on television. There are a great many stipulations. You have to be there first thing in the morning. They ask you to wear holiday gear and you are asked to stay for the entire taping. Now, you will not see the parade in its entirety because it is a live taping. So you could stand there for hours and hours and hours oh, yeah. while they back the parade down Main Street to get a better shot. It's not like you're going to go and see the parade like it's shown on television. This is shot in segments. The other thing is they have live performers throughout the park. They're not always recorded on the same day. So going to the parade taping does not mean that you might get to see Hannah Montana. It might mean that Hannah Montana recorded on an entirely different day in an entirely different area of the park, and then it's all spliced together to be one one show. Ruining it for everyone, I was Kevin. Say, ruin the magic, well, Kevin. I, the the other, problem with that is that people get there and they say, "I want yeah. to be able to see these things," and they get disappointed. Right. I also want to make sure everyone understands that you don't have to be you don't have to attend the party to see the decorations. The decorations will be up all day. The lights will go on at night. It's truly, truly a magical time at Walt Disney World. There's also the wishes, Disney. fireworks, the, wishes, the holiday wishes. Holiday wishes are terrific. If I remember correctly, I think they do two. Um, Two sets of fireworks. They do they do a set right before the party starts for all the guests, and then at night they'll do the holiday. That's wishes. A party nights. Yeah, yeah. party nights. Regular nights is just the one. Another big event at Christmas time is the candlelight processional. This takes place in Epcot at the American Pavilion, and this is not a hard ticketed event. Anybody who goes to the park can enjoy uh, the candlelight processional. However, it's very popular. People start lining up for these shows hours in advance, um, and we have the schedule on our site. There's three a day, 5 p.m., 6.45 p.m., and 8.15 p.m. So if you want to do it, you have to try to show up as early as you can and get in line. 
um, one way to get around having to wait in line is to do the candlelight processional dinner package. That's where you uh, prepay for a meal in one of a select restaurant. They have tiers. There's tier A, B, and C, and they're different prices. Our, the prices are on our website. And that's where you eat first, eat your meal first, and then go and enjoy the show. And you're guaranteed a seat in the show for that uh, performance that you've matched up your dinner time to. And you get in before the regular audience gets in, so you're guaranteed to see it. If you don't want to pay for the dinner package, um, you can still enjoy the Candlelight Processional. You can see it from the walkway in Epcot. You're not going to have a great seat. You might be kind of obstructed, but... And it's a 45-minute show. Right. They sing uh, traditional and secular Christmas music, and someone narrates the Christmas story. So while it's... um, They always have a a signing interpreter for every show. So while it's a religious-based show, it's not overtly religious. People have... You know, you can enjoy the secular music as well. Well, they do tell the Christmas story. It is. A, I mean, this no. It, it's a. It, it's, it's, it's a, a very Christian. religious. It's a very religious Christian uh, based based show, right? Show. So I mean, however, it isn't in the music and the listening to the voices. It's a. It's incredible. Yeah, this is really a must do. And in terms of uh, narrators this year, I think we did discuss this in the show a few weeks ago, but I'll just go over them again. John O'Hurley. Uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell, who's a great, uh, great stage actor, great singer, incredible voice in that guy. Uh, Virginia Madsen, Monique Coleman, Cheetah Rivera, who was magnificent. I saw her last year. We did too. Actually, we have video on the site of uh, Cheetah Rivera doing uh, I think doing you it took last the video, year. Video, didn't you? I did. And Cheetah Rivera was very, very excited, and it was her first time doing it, and she sang along. With oh, the she people. was great. Yeah, she was. She terrific. was great. And then, of course, uh, Abigail Breslin. Stephen Curtis Chapman, who we're doubting is going to be there because he, her, his, uh, one of his, his child just died. He lost a daughter this year. And uh, Edward James Almos and Marley Maitland. Matlin. There's a, um, there's a TBA in there also, isn't there? There are a couple of TBAs. A couple of them, yeah. For uh, December 1st through the 3rd and the 13th through the 15th. Sorry. This is something um, our family, John's and my family, did with Bob and his family every year. And we were uncertain as to whether it was going to be exceedingly difficult to do it this year. And we have found out from Bob's family that they are not going to be here at Christmas this year. They are going out of town to visit family in a different location. And we've decided to do it, but we've decided to change it up a little bit. And we're going to go to a different restaurant and make a different event out of it. Again, this is one of those things people always ask, is it worth it? Kevin's going to dress as a Christmas elf. I am. Christmas pixie. He's going to have his, his, uh, gr- his uh, Christmas green unitard. There's a <laughs> I wear that all year. Um, there's a man on there who sent us an email, and he decided to mix the word podcaster and pixie, so now we're all poxies, by the way. Poxies? <laughs> it just sounds, it like, sounds like a disease. Right, uh-huh. like sores. <laughs> Festering lesions. <laughs> this is a great... Thing you should definitely try to do it again. If you can't get into the show, enjoy it from around Epcot. You can hear the music. This is also something. Again, you could hear this. You could sit by the fountain at the American Pavilion and still hear the right. music. It's a wonderful thing. In addition to the Candlelight Processional, Epcot also does their holidays around the world. This is going to start um, the same night as the Candlelight Processional, November twenty eighth, and this is where every country decorates in the. Uh, in the fashion that they would traditionally, and they also have their traditional Santa 
Come Morocco out. doesn't decorate. Right. In addition to that, you're going to be able to see the. Uh, they do a nightly tree lighting. There's a giant tree to the entrance of World Showcase, and they do a nightly tree lighting with uh, a little bit of a stage show and uh, make a little bit of a, a to-do about that. So that's something great to see. There's also the lighted archway, which goes over the uh, bridge from Future, Future World. World to World Showcase. It's actually my favorite mm-hmm. Disney holiday decoration. I agree. That lighted archway. I love that lighted archway. Mm-hmm. And if you go a little bit further, there are, light, there are the lighted Q-tips. <laughs> I think Epcot does a really good job of decorating. Epcot's gorgeous for Christmas. Last year, it was kind of lame in uh, Tomorrowland, Future World area. There was not that many decorations. But once you get into the, to the World Showcase, they really go crazy. With I guess it's kind of hard to decorate Mission Space, you know. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> the Christmas. Really? When we colonate Mars, we're not going to celebrate Christmas. Colonate? Colonate? We're going to colonate Mars? I think it's colonize. Oh, colonize. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob. <laughs> yeah, really. Colonate. colonate. <laughs> if you ever wonder if he's listening, <laughs> there's a perfect example. <laughs> the funny part was I thought I was saying the right word. Bob's I know, it's sad. Bob always did, too. <laughs> John is speaking Bob. I'm speaking Bobanese. You know, it was funny. We were out in California, and Walter was talking about a shirt he had. He referred to it as striped. <laughs> I said striped. <laughs> okay, Mr. Colonial, come on. It's not seventeen forty. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, uh every year they do the Osborne Wait, Lights. Go back to Epcot. Okay, what did I miss at Epcot? Sorry. Uh, something about um I wanted to talk about the fact that every one of the countries will have uh, a person dressed as that country's version of St. Nick or Santa Claus. Like Papa Noel? Uh, or Père Noel in France. And they'll tell a Christmas story. And this is something that uh, we've been asked about. And someone has asked that we put them in the order of, you must hear this one. I, I find that very difficult to do because it's not the same person from year to year telling the story. And it's going to be dependent upon the person telling the story and they talk about the traditions in that country and things like that but this is something to do when you're trying to get away from the rush of disney at christmas this is a nice thing it's one of those stop and smell the roses moments that if you as you walk around you might want to pick certain countries and hear that story or you might want to try and do them all i understand that if you try and do them all it pretty much takes two days you have to be in Epcot two different days really? because with what it's nine countries, right? So, and again, um, Morocco doesn't have a Christmas story; it's a Muslim country, so they won't have one. But it's eight different stories that well, you're they trying. have one. It just didn't end well. <laughs> Some of these Santas are really skinny. <laughs> yeah, Père Noël last year needed. It's a this. joke, folks. No hate mail. <laughs> Père Noël last year needed a cinnamon. Yeah, he, really he was quite thin. Yeah, he was. He needed a Cinnabon? <laughs> I mean, I just kind of figured they were all, you know, had big bellies full of jelly. Yeah. <laughs> they don't all look like your standard Santa Claus. Yeah, last year, Père Noël, I, I wanted to buy him a... Some fried stick, chicken. A sticky bun, yeah. <laughs> he was a little on the thin side. Over at Disney Hollywood, Disney's Hollywood Studios, the Osborne Lights will be going on this year as well, starting November 28th through January 4th, 2009. Um, this is based on a long tradition at Disney's Hollywood Studios or formerly MGM Studios where they took the Jennings Osborne's lights and put them out 
for people to enjoy. And it's going to be on the streets of America again this year. And it's just a great thing. They're probably going to be, we don't know for sure. There's no information specifically, but starting two years ago, they did the dancing lights. With it like, oh, I can't imagine them giving that up. No, it's so popular. It's so popular. They're going to have to do that again. Every year they add a little more, so it becomes a little bit more grander and a little bit more. Um, uh, also, they bring it up in technology. They've been replacing out the standard lights with the LED lights a little bit at a time. So, And there's a couple of fun things to do there. You can look for hidden Mickeys. Mm-hmm. Usually, any of the cast members will be able to tell you how many hidden Mickeys there are in the Osborne lights. And something that I just learned in the last couple of years is that... Uh, in the original Jennings Osborne lights, there was always a cat, a lit up cat, and he would hide it in different areas. And they do that, they continue that tradition. So, one of the fun things to do, um, we have friends who have a grandson who's going to be five this year. And one of his favorite things to do when he gets to the Osborne lights is look for the cat. And it's someplace different each year. So, you're going to look for the cat. They play music. <laughs> they play music. They, uh, it snows. And they sell the same hot chocolate that you can same get. Same crappy hot chocolate you get in the Magic Kingdom. Watered light, down. You can get a light-up mug. Watered Sometimes down. Sometimes that snow is more annoying than anything, though. Well, it's, it's Just soap. Just foam. <laughs> it's like, soap foam. It and you see the people, last year we saw kids sticking their tongue out, and you want to say to them, that's palm olive. Soap in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when I used to give you the glasses, and you look at the lights, and they... It's the they angels. Yeah. yeah. I miss. It was kind of what it looks like when you die. The Golden Girls house, like all that stuff, because they used to decorate all those houses, and you'd have like the penguin and all these different characters standing out in front of them. Mm-hmm. I liked walking down the street because it felt like you're walking through a neighborhood. It was a lot better when you could walk down that street in the back. I used lot. to love um, when they would. I agree with you. Light up, B. Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> but what yeah, I, but what, they had but, to get a ladder to put the star on her. <laughs> Stop it! Leave her alone. I love B. Arthur. Maud. I watch reruns and of then the Golden Girls. Maud. Um, but. Even though I preferred that that back street, what they do now with the dancing lights, they weren't doing that. Then I think that's pretty cool. We have it video. Is. We have video of the, uh, the actually, dancing lights. I liked it when they did the the, the the residential streets. Except we used to do the Osborne lights shuffle. The streets were narrow, and you had to walk, and you would do that little sort of death shuffle. Yeah. Because it was like being it. on a slow-moving caterpillar. It yeah, just you, there was no place to go. Yeah. Here, if you there, there's not, not really like a line. You're free to kind of move about. Yeah. When 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 I when I worked in a rehab, we called it the Thorazine shuffle. Yeah. And that's what you had to do through the Osborne lights when they were on the residential streets. There was just nowhere to go with it. You just sort of shuffled along, and you only went as fast as the people in front of you. Who are on Thorazine. <laughs> and other than that, and the, the normal decorations, there's really nothing else that we know of going on at Disney Hollywood Studios. We are pretty sure that the Harlem Gospel Choir will not be invited back <laughs> because they were so well received. We gave them such a rousing review last year. Yeah, that didn't. Well, no, I, I didn't hear anybody say anything really positive. Well, about they made it sound like it was. Well, first of all, they made it sound like it was going to be the Harlem, the, the Harlem Gospel Choir, <laughs> the Garlem, the Harlem Boys Choir. Excuse me, and it was the Harlem Gospel Choir, and it was six people, and three of them were off key. It was mm. awful. Yeah, he was going to say Garlem Hospital. He was <laughs> make fun of me and columnate. Well, at least mine were actual words. <laughs> yeah. Just in the wrong Garlem. Garlem. It, well, it just misspoke. But it was actually a word it I was using. Happens to me all the time. One of the fun things to do in either the Magic Kingdom or in Hollywood Studios is look at the windows. Mm. Last year, 
they had taken antenna toppers and made a snowman out of the antenna toppers. And the way they had placed them, you know, made it different colors and things. They do very, very clever things. And that's one of the things that I like to do is make sure I see the windows and how they've decorated them. It's also nice that they keep the theming for the park or the area of the park. And they follow that through into the Christmas decorations. Main Street is done in the way that you would suspect Sort of Victorian. Victorian. Do you want me to fill in the blanks? Yeah, for you? please. I'm having a hard time here. It's like Mad Libs. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an adverb. And so that's always great to look at. That's how they've decorated and kept with the theming of those areas. Next is Animal Kingdom. Um, Animal Kingdom is probably one of the, the parks that does the least at Christmas time. No, um, they make lots of raffia Christmas decorations too. They're all made out of like straw. But you can't tell if they're like Christmas or not. That's the weird thing. Yeah. They decorate the animals. <laughs> Is it like they string lights on the animals? You can't tell if they're celebrating Christmas or the Blair Witch Project. Their parade, their daily parade, will become the Mickey's Jingle Jungle Parade starting November 10th. And they're also going to transform Camp Mini Mickey into Santa's Goofy Holiday Village. Basically a meet and greet area for the characters dressed up um, at Christmas time. There's no, as far as we know, so far there's no special events or anything else going on. I like how they decorate Mount Everest. You know, they may do it this year. They may. I'm kidding. They don't usually do that. Yeah. Um, And last but not least is Downtown Disney. Every year Downtown Disney. Downtown Disney will transform for the holidays. Again, more holiday decorations, more lights and stuff going on. There's always a um, meet and greet with Santa during that time. And again, that's November 28th through January 4th. And usually on weekend nights, there's a small stage right near the World of Disney. And there's usually some group performing Christmas songs. Usually invited choirs will come in and and perform traditional holiday music. So that's always great to try to check out. And you can stop by Ghirardelli and get your chocolate sample. Christmas time at Walt Disney World is fantastic. It is. It is. Best time of the year. It really is. Best time of the year at Disney World. I mean, there's just so much extra that you don't have to pay for. There's so much extra cool stuff that you can do. Um, Obviously, uh, we're not going to talk about the resorts today, but we are going to do that. In an upcoming segment, we're also going to discuss Disneyland, uh, what goes on in Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, a lot of the events going on around Orlando as well. But it really is, I mean, Christmas, I mean, my favorite time of year anyway, but it's especially good down here. That's one of the one of the big pluses about living in Orlando is we get to celebrate Christmas doing that stuff. We've driven home the point that the parks are very, very crowded and the lines will be long. We've talked about that often enough. This is a great time to do the stop and smell the roses thing, to notice the details, to notice the work that went into what you're looking at. And while it's true, the the crowds will be bad from Christmas Day on. Before that, they're really not. Right. They're really not that bad. It's a great time of year to be here. It's, you know, it's very seasonable, seasonal, blah, 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 very seasonable in terms of the weather and the temperature. It can get a little chilly, but, you know, we don't often get, like, you know, to the point where you need a parka. Uh, so it's just, I don't know, those nice crisp nights, walking around Magic Kingdom, walking around MGM, or Hollywood Studios, you, excuse me. That's when you'll find the locals out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, well, great. Well, thank you all very much for all that information, John. That was, that was excellent. And that will do it for this week's segment on uh, 
holidays at Walt Disney World, and it's also going to do it for our show for this week. And thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. You all have a great week.